0: The United States of America would like to invite you to come spy with me.
1: Tonight, adventures looking in your window. Something out of the ordinary.
0: Come with me now and let's explore the secret passions. some one that's on master rays like a summer rays and everyday rays that
1: anyone can play
2: jump in know your heart again
3: make a new start again welcome to episode 79 of eventually super train i am your host dan how are you? I hope you're well. It's, uh, jeez, it's in the vicinity of Thanksgiving 2019 as this episode is going up. I hope, uh, I hope you had a great Halloween. I think I probably already wish you that. But I hope you, uh, have a great Thanksgiving, if you celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, I hope you have a lot to be thankful for this year. This is going to be a slightly weird episode. We've only done this once before, and when I did it once before, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a trick. It was a, woo, it was me being zany. Uh, but this is a two-segment show we are going to discuss the final episode of Erie Indiana Made Reality Takes a Holiday and that will be Amy the Conqueror and myself and then uh, Mitchell and myself are going to discover we're going to discover a lot of things we're going to discover and discuss what is it six hours till midnight six till midnight the 29th episode of Bourbon Street Beat and the segments may not be in that order but that's usually the order they're in Uh, Masquerade uh, we'll be back for the next episode. It'll be uh, it'll be uh, uh, discussing episode 11. I apologize. Amanda's very busy and we've been having a tough time getting our schedules going. But I had, well, literally we're done with our chats for and, yeah, and Amy and I are done. So those are standing by. And Burberry Beats, we've done a few of them. So I thought it would be a good idea to just do a two-segment show. And both of the segments are... Rather lengthy, so I thought that would work too Oh, by the way, uh, this is eventually Super Train, the short-lived TV show podcast We cover uh, short-lived TV shows that never got enough love Eventually we will cover Super Train Normally we go three shows at a time Three segments an episode, one episode of each show a segment uh, But today it's 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 two, as I said So let us dive on into um, this Bourbon
0: Street Beat
2: Bourbon Street Beat
0: Starring Richard Long In New Orleans Andrew Duggan This is the blues With Arlene Howell and Van Williams
3: Produced by Warner Brothers Bourbon Street Beat episode 29 six hours to midnight originally aired april 25th 1960 this one was directed by charles r randu teleplay by lee Loeb. story by richard blue blue produced by jerry davis hey let's see what happens in this episode There is a man named Russell Hansen who is on death row, going to die in six hours, accused of killing some guy, knifing him, I believe, in a a club. And his uh, his attorney, Peter Justin, is trying to appeal to everyone hey, if you know anything, you know anything that's going on, please, you got to help. And there are a lot of things going on, a lot of people in this episode. Victor Buono's in it, for heaven's sake, playing a kind of sleazy character named joe leslie and there's sort of a femme fatale and there are some mobsters and basically what happens is uh cal is asked by um the uh, p justin the um the the attorney too many names too many names i mean i'm looking at the credits here and you know i see it's like uh it's peter leslie and sally martin nancy dumont russ hansen joe leslie jim martin carlos benito detective anderson the landlady she's fun uh harold stein director of photography thank you harold so it it's, uh, cal is basically called in by the attorney uh, because he believes that Hanson is innocent and they basically spend the six hours running all over the place trying to prove his innocence uh, they get beat up uh, they meet Victor Buono as I said um, they uh, get in a uh, plastic hassle with some mobsters all kinds of stuff happens in this episode and we're gonna go we go over it in great detail so I'm not gonna go too deep into it here But I will just say that this episode is kind of the end of an era in the show. And I won't say what I mean by that. And you won't find out until the next episode. One of the few times you'll hear sort of an advanced spoiler for a show I haven't watched. Only because I know what's coming next. So let me give you a blast and then Mitchell and I will talk about six hours till midnight god i hope i don't try to make that into a song
2: six
3: hours to midnight Ooh, that was me do, singing some bad. I've got some allergies, folks. I was trying to do a little Iron Maiden adaptation there, and it just ended up embarrassing everyone. I apologize. I've got I've got allergies and I'm a little I'm a little goofed up in the um, vocal cords today. But I'm here we're here to talk uh 6 hours till midnight, episode 29, Holy Shlemoli of Bourbon Street Beat, and I have here with me author, raconteur, overall swell guy, Mitchell Hadley. How are you, Mitchell?
2: Well, I guess I have to say that I'm swell. How are you, Dan?
3: I'm doing okay, yeah. Like I said, I'm going to try not to sniffle a lot during this. I'm going to try to be good. Weather's changing here, and it was a little bit windy, and and when that happens, the allergies tend to go right up my schnoz. So I'm... uh, I'm doing what I can.
2: Uh, but so we'll just uh, cut it out, and we'll just cut it out. Yes. And, but, uh, we'll yeah. cut a,
3: no one's going to even hear this part. So no. let's. Uh, so let me, let me ask you. Let's dive right in. Uh, six hours. I keep wanting to say six minutes till midnight, but that would have been a really fast pace. That would have been a. Ooh. If 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 they did this today, it would be six minutes to midnight.
2: Yes, it would. And, and yes, each, it
3: would. each minute would have been like six minutes of screen time or something like that well no that doesn't quite work maybe eight eight minutes um but uh so um mitchell what did you think of uh six hours till midnight
2: well it is a it is it's a very interesting episode it uh, is something of a cliche you might have guessed with a title like six hours to midnight it's a, uh, it's a death penalty drama, or I should say a death row drama. We have the convicted killer on death row due to be executed at midnight, and we're six hours away. Something has to happen. And so you always have, in these situations, you have desperate people, you have evidence that goes missing, witnesses that get killed. Every time you go down a street looking for an Answer. You have a roadblock set up. If it was simple, then there wouldn't be any story at all. Uh, it would be six minutes to midnight, and that's all it would take. So we're we're dealing with a classic genre of the mystery uh, type of show. Nonetheless, I think that the uh, that the uh, people at Bourbon Street be, do a very good job with this. There are a couple of nifty twists at the end. There are some terrific performances. We've got a fine guest cast here and um i think that they are able to do a very good job with this promise
3: i agree with you i'll go um 75 of the way with you on that i think my my only issues with the episode because i i think i think it's nicely written i think it's nicely put together and you're right there are some twists and turns and there's enough to kind of keep you going and there's there's like a nice twist in there where you Kind of think the twist is making one person the culprit, but it's actually kind of not there's something else going on so there's they're they're constantly um uh uh keeping it moving which I like the the only, the, the, the the two things that bothered me and one of them may have something to do with the print we're watching which have as we've said before this this the prints we're watching look very nice.
2: Yes, I do. You,
3: you know, they're not they're not quite high def, but they're definitely definitely not like if you watch like um uh I don't know, like a beretta or something like that. I was gonna say canon, but I've seen some canon on D V D which looked decent. But I was gonna say yeah, like, a, like a like a seventies detective show. Um uh it's not it's not like Rockford Files on Blu ray where you watch it and you can just sort of see the makeup on some people's faces and you can and it's it's like wow, that's Looks really maybe too good, um. It, but but it's more. I'm I'm gonna go with Beretta. I I, I the only times I've ever seen Beretta, it's looked or um. Uh, geez, I'm forgetting all my other 70s detectives right now, but think of one that whenever you watch it, it looks like the time period. Um, yes. That that yeah. would sort of be like those are old prints that they've had forever that they need to update to high def, uh, just to keep them uh, looking modernish in syndication. The the Burberry Street Beats, I don't know when they did them, but they look pretty darn good.
2: They do. They're very age appropriate. Yes. Um they 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 haven't upgraded them too much, but they look like what you would want to have seen at the time. Yes. And yes. it doesn't look like an eighth generation copy.
3: Yes. Um. So I, I think so. One of the problems I have with the episode may not be a problem. My dog George is some doing something really weird on the chair next to me right here. How you doing, George? He loves Bourbon Street Beat. He's been watching with me the the whole way. He. I don't know if he's a Rex or a Cal man. I can't tell. <laughs> uh, what? So, uh, what do you think, George? <laughs> um. Uh. Now. Um. Uh, no. Uh, so. So the, the two things. One of them is that even though it begins at 6 p.m. and ends at midnight, unless midnight means something different in New Orleans. <laughs> I was thinking maybe midnight is one of those cool things where, like, if you live in New Orleans and we say midnight, we mean noon. That's why it's bright the entire episode.
2: Yes, I completely agree with you on that. That's one one thing that TV shows and movies often get Terribly wrong is understanding when sunset occurs. Yes, and yeah. that uh, depending on the time of the year, it can get dark even earlier. Mm-hmm. But um, I can almost guarantee that by ten o'clock, even in New Orleans, it's dark.
3: Yes, yes, yeah. And it's 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 interesting because I'm wondering if some of like like there's a scene where a witness is involved in an altercation and it looks like the middle of the day
2: yeah and, and
3: and it's and and my thought was could it have been a day for night thing in the original like when you would watch it originally they did a day for night thing on it but when they did the transfer they they didn't brighten it but maybe they cuz i i've seen this on like, uh, To All a Good Night, a slasher film from 1980, has tons of day-for-night scenes, but when you watch them on the Blu-ray, the night scenes just look like people walking through slightly shaded patches of woods. It doesn't yes. look like nighttime at all. And, and, and there's another film called The Child from 1976 that has an ending where a couple are attacked by zombies and when I first saw that on VHS that was bad day for night you couldn't see what was happening but now it's it's the middle of the day luckily it's still exciting but it's so 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 that's one of those things I'm wondering if it's like when they did the transfer um, maybe someone didn't know I mean because there's someone didn't know that it was meant to be they, they just saw it and said "Ooh, this looks dark and they just took that away
2: well, my, my wife and I had exactly the same thought when we uh, began watching the uh, Perry Mason seasons on DVD. Lovely transfer of prints, but they seemed so much brighter than what we were accustomed to seeing on the old generation uh, reruns that you would see, that that same thought occurred to us, that they may have inadvertently lit the scene up because they didn't yes. know any better. Mm-hmm. So I, I find that completely plausible.
3: I, I, I would go for that because uh, because the thing, the thing I always say, and th- this doesn't quite have anything to do with this, but the thing I always say, if you want to know whether or not it's day for night, look at the sky. Mm. Because when unless they're doing something that involves the sky, usually a day for night scene is in woods or it's in like a dark spot near a house or something, and you're focused, the darkness is on the people in front of you. But if you look at the top of the screen and you look at the sky, if the sky is much brighter than they are, that's day for night. And if it's tough to see them. So that's that's where I always go for that. But I can't tell with this. I mean, I don't know. Does it matter in the end? I, 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 um,
2: I think one of the things I think that you develop when you're a classic TV fan is that you get kind of an immunity toward this kind of stuff because you're so used to mm-hmm. seeing it. And one, one of the things that distinguishes, for example, a producer like Quinn Martin is that he never did Day for Night. Uh, I, I don't want to say never, because he may have had to do it, but that was not the Quinn Martin policy. And so when you watch a nighttime scene in the FBI or the Invaders or any of his other shows, it's night. And you can tell from the, uh, from the way... That the headlamps on the cars look, you can tell by the lights outside, you can tell by the cloud cover, that um, that he insisted on a particular level of quality in his productions. And I think that when you've watched a lot of classic television, it's something that you just kind of learn to accept and that doesn't mean that you don't notice it and it doesn't mean in in yes. my case or yours it doesn't mean that you don't comment on it but you just kind of it's it's the TV equivalent of the weird uncle I think you just kind <laughs> of accept it and move on <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna do
3: it he, he's gonna do what he's gonna do yeah, yeah. Um, I I, th- I think what it is though is that like I, I I feel like in so many episodes of Bourbon Street Beat, when things are set at night, they're doing it on the studio lot at night. Mm -hmm. So the fact that so much of this is during the day, or looks like, uh, well, it is during the day, but meant to be at night, made me wonder why. I don't think I'll ever find out why. Mike, if you know why, if you're listening, Mike, I think you're listening. If you know why, please tell us. Um, But uh, I don't... It's just a little strange to me, uh, just because the whole premise is... Six to midnight, we have yeah. to save a man's life. And like I'm watching a scene right now with that really big lady who um I don't know, like Divine's mother or something. I don't know who she is, the one <laughs> who keeps having having um uh Cal pour the Epsom salts and things on her feet. Yes. Uh-huh. When 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 the two of them leave her place, it's clearly dark out. Mm-hmm. There's it's a darkness, but when they go to the next scene, is them going to see the like friends of the friendless band? Mm-hmm. And, um, it's now, it's bits of it look like day for night. Bits of it, I mean, it could still be early on if it's summer and it's seven o'clock. They probably still have at least another hour, hour and a half where there's some light. But um, but, it, but in that
2: case, in that case, you have to call them on continuity.
3: True. Yes.
2: Yes. Because, and uh, well, speaking of continuity, and I don't, I don't want to step on what may have been your second point, (laughs) but there is a scene where Cal is rounding the corner in his car. Am I going where you're going on this, or is this new?
3: Go, go, go there. I think this might be new. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, the Cal is in his convertible, and he's headed for another appointment with. A witness or a crucial piece of information, and so he's tooling around the corner in his convertible. And a few minutes later, he's on his way to another um, meeting, and they use the same footage of him tooling around the corner. And I didn't see that. later on, there is yet a third version where he is tooling around the corner, <laughs> and in at least one of the three scenes he is not wearing his hat before he turns the corner nor is he wearing his hat when he gets out of the car he does however have his hat on when he's turning the corner
3: (laughs) (laughs) i didn't see that i it's it that's that's a good one. no. That wasn't the that wasn't the other the other point I was okay. going to bring up. The other point was more narrative. Um, and then I'm just watching the bit here where the um the two thugs go to attack the attorney, and mm-hmm. that looks that looks like it's either like like absolute dusk or day for night, slightly off. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we could. This is the kind of thing I talk about on my minute by minute podcast for ages. <laughs> but we're not going minute by minute through this episode. So well, suffice it to say, it takes place from 6 p.m. to midnight. Um, my other issue with it is, so it starts off right at 6 p.m., begins right at 6 p.m. The attorney goes in, talks to the guy whose name I don't even remember now in the prison. Um, Hanson? Does that no? Or is that uh, I? I um I was bad with the names on this one. Um, uh
2: well, that actually shows you know, uh, to, to digress for just a second how unimportant the uh, the titular central character is to this um yes. that we can't remember the 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 condemned man's name he he's, only he's, makes a couple of appearances
3: he's kind of a macguffin in his own uh episode that he yes. should be
2: yeah. yes he is and,
3: and so um Uh, And and so what happened? Yeah, so the attorney leaves. He calls uh, Cal. Cal comes down there. He visits the guy. They begin the investigation. And then the investigation feels like it should, to me, at points, feels like it should have gone on for days. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how long it takes that first meeting in the prison, calling Cal and getting Cal to show up. My thought was 45 minutes to an hour. I don't, I don't know, but but it's like so much happens. I mean, they 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 arrest two guys, take them to the police station, and the police kind of talk to them and book them. And and yeah. you know, these are things that take time. And he 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 meets a whole bunch of people, goes and meets a whole bunch of other people, then goes back to the other. It it just there's a strange sense of Cal. No one uses six hours like Cal does. Because this feels like it should take at least 24.
2: Well I can say that um, here in Minneapolis oh. the, the, the the state prison where you would have death row if we had the death penalty in Minnesota mm-hmm. is in a is in a, a town called Stillwater, which is maybe 35 40 minutes outside of uh, the cities depending on where you live if it's on if you live in the north side of the cities it's one time if you live in the south side of the cities it's another but the point is even on the freeway which you may not have had in 1959 in new orleans you're talking about a a 90 minute round trip just to get to the prison and back not including how long it takes to get in to see the condemned man talk to the oh, talk to the lawyer make your way through a mob of reporters who are by the way where there's a very nice shot of an yes. abc news truck yeah. hey. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I love I, that great product placement <laughs> but but you're right and that's that uh, ties in with what we were talking about uh, with the day for night thing too is that there is a terrible uh, concept of time in in television. It's gotten better, I think, in the last few years as you've gotten directors who really care about this kind of thing. But if you had called this 24 Hours to Midnight, um, I think that it would have been fine. Yes. And it would have, it would have made things perhaps... Seem a little more plausible. Now, with all of that being said, the question becomes does this get in the way of the actual enjoyment of the story? And I think there it depends on the story on the writing on the acting and 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 we we started to talk about this a little bit we've got we've got a pretty good script we've got some really fine performances some good character actors that we'll get to in a minute but i think that things keep rolling well enough that uh, You are not condemned to be distracted, and Mm -hmm. that's the difference. If you don't have that kind of thing, then something like this becomes such a huge distraction that you miss at least 15 or 20 minutes maybe trying to reconcile all of this in your mind, and by the time you get around to doing that, you've lost the uh, kinetic energy that the episode is – trying to deliver
3: hmm yeah I I think that's great I think I'm gonna give that's two rounds of applause I gave during this segment I never give rounds of applause no I <laughs> I, no, I, I, I I think you're you're, you're right because I, I, I there were a few moments where I did have to sort of reconcile with myself um, kind of boy it feels like they're going I they're going to a lot of places like all the the initial visit to the prison calling cal cal at the prison going to investigate some talking to that old lady going to talk with the band finding out the guy got killed getting attacked by those two thugs and then the two thugs getting booked and them leaving the police station takes one hour and 50 minutes
2: yeah which any any one of these segments could take at least 90 minutes and at that point yes. if it does you're talking about four segments and there are a lot more than four yes. in this episode
3: so I, I think i think part of it is do we continue do do we well it's i think it's more a little bit me it could be that cold medicine but it's it's a little more me going down this road just because i I've, i love burman street beat to get an episode like this where it's like i quite enjoyed this episode but there are bits of it, structurally, mm. <laughs> that are a bit odd. And I watch a lot of odd things. I think you do too, Mitchell. Yes. And and so so I don't think I don't think it to, to me it, it doesn't I think if I were to if I were to say write a book on the suns seventy seven Sunset Strip universe, is there a name for this universe? Like the is it the WB
2: I would th- I, yeah, that's what I would call it.
3: Okay, um, But if I were to say write a book or do a podcast on these and kind of go in chronological broadcast order, um, all of this we, we're saying, I think is said with love for the
2: show. Yes. And, and- it, you see the same thing in, I've seen the same thing at least in 77 Sunset Strip. Um, and I think, I think you see it in so many shows and you're right. When you've got a show that you enjoy that you look forward to watching, where you feel like the characters are, are a, a welcome visitor in your living room, then I think that you you are only looking at it from the standpoint of saying that I'm offering these in the, the spirit that it's intended. I'm being I'm, I, it, it, it's charitable, it's meant to improve things. It's not a criticism. it's just we want this to be even better than it is
3: yes yes i i I actually uh when we get done with this recording i in my endless rewatching of doctor who uh tonight i begin uh for the like the 10th time in my life watching the story the time monster from 1972 a six-part john pertwee story at the it's the finale of his ninth season and if you know of the time monster you'll know that it's considered to be one of the all-time stinkers (laughs) <laughs> and yet, I get such joy out of it. I get, I s- enjoy it so much. And part of the joy is that you get, you get so. Um, and it's it's tricky because we're talking short-lived shows here. You know, it's it, we're not talking like uh, Hawaii Five O, which I just recently started watching, or Seventy Seven Sunset Strip. We're we're talking shows that came and, and went. Although yeah. 39, 39 episodes is a pretty good came and went as far as they go. Um, it's a
2: good tour of duty.
3: Yes. Yeah. So. Um, so. Yeah. It's. Uh, it's. Yeah. It's interesting because I. I quite like the episode. I. I do think that the. The one spot where they shot themselves in the foot is by calling it six hours till midnight and putting that time element on it, because the script, it, it's. It's almost like, the script came in, and then the producer saw it and. Um, said, Oh, it's a death row thing. I'm just going to tweak it a bit. Now it's six hours till midnight. Well, it actually takes place over two days. Yeah. And, no, we just, it's going to be fine. No one's going to care. And I, I do wonder too, if, um, uh, because I didn't really notice this when I was watching it, I always think with like commercial breaks, would the commercial breaks come at moments where we would have you know like we're watching it all the way through. Yes. And so I'm wondering if commercial breaks would have come at a time where we we were where we would have um I don't know if if this is something we do like sometimes during a commercial break you go like there's a cliffhanger and when we come back to the show you're immediately there. But sometimes there's a break in time and and it can it can extend the commercial break can given an extension in time, if that if that um, if that's making any sense. Sort of like um, it could be like now it's a it's it. But but with this episode, it's weird because if if there are extensions, I'm just I just thought of this idea right now. That's why it's not making sense. Um, uh, but be, because it's like um, you know like okay, I'm gonna drive take the six hour drive commercial break. The six hour drive is done. You're like okay, that was the commercial break and the commercial time passed. Uh, but this one time isn't really supposed to pass that quickly but i wonder if like if you had seen commercial breaks here where you you would have come back from them and been okay time has definitely passed and we're okay and you wouldn't have absorbed um uh like we're still at six hours what's the t-? you know there isn't a, a ticking clock in the bottom of the screen you know like where are we right now
2: well that's, that's a really good point and um When I'm watching TV, I prefer to watch it without the commercials unless we're seeing the original commercials from the uh, time, in which case it's kind of fun. But I think you raise a really good point, and I have actually uh, read of people talking about how they prefer to watch programs with the commercials because they want to see the show in its absolute context, and context is something I like to talk about a lot, but I'm usually talking about it in a historical or a cultural context. They're talking about it in the context of how the show was viewed by people originally, and they like those pauses because it simulates the effect of watching the show originally, and so I think... I don't think it's your cold medication at all. I think that you're making <laughs> a, a really good point about this that we probably don't think about very often, or maybe we we over, we may overthink it, and it it could be true that uh, people are saying, "Well, dummy, of course I knew that," but um, <laughs> in in which case, you know, I would be the first one to plead guilty to uh, overthinking things by sure. underthinking them. But I think that I think that's an excellent. Point. and uh, maybe that does tend to uh, to to provide that kind of bu- buffer where it can make long st- short stretches seem longer and conversely you uh, have a commercial break you get up you go to the kitchen grab something to eat something yes. to drink go to the bathroom you come back and the show is back on again at the very least you've been distracted from the what this this dilemma the time. Ra- yeah, the... rather than rather than it becoming a distraction you become distracted from it
3: yes yeah i mean like yeah yeah and okay yeah i i think something like where if if they're doing something where um yeah cuz they keep showing clocks throughout the episode yeah. um and if if it's something like where you get to a point where it's like okay wait a minute uh he's going a cal uh, uh, is going to do this how does he have time to do that Three-minute commercial break, two-minute commercial break. We all get up. We get something to eat. Maybe I go and tinkle. I don't know. I pour a glass of water. I sit down. Dad grabs a beer. We hit the recliners again. And suddenly he's there. And the clock says it only took 10 minutes. Okay, it took 10 minutes. All right, you know. I, I, it, it might it might be more persuasive than actually sitting there and watching it all the way through and going, okay, he's going to do that? Shouldn't that take 10 minutes? No. So I'm wondering if the yeah the commercial... Adds, like you said, not only a lengthener but a shortener. Yes. And this, I'm sound. This is sounding filthy, but but you know what I mean. It's, it's
2: yes, it's, I you do know, know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. So, so, <laughs> so 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 because because as I have this episode playing here, Cal goes to so many places in this episode, and it's all meant to be. I would say like a little over five hours for him, mm-hmm. and I'd like to think that he's a superhero. And that's how he's. Maybe his convertible is a TARDIS. Oh, there well, you go. Be,
2: yes, let's. Boom, okay. boom, boom, boom. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. We've it it, is. We've talked it through.
3: Yes, there you go. Because we we don't know the Doctor. A few years ago, the Doctor was given a new life cycle, so she might um, end up looking like uh, uh, Cal at some point, and and yep. being in New Orleans, being a detective. Why not? That's fun. So yeah, I'm gonna say that Okay. convertible is is the TARDIS when he finally has the chameleon circuit fixed and and now is is using it to solve the That works okay. okay. What okay. else what what else you got, Mitchell? <laughs> you want to talk guest stars.
2: Yeah, you well, know, um, uh, yes, um, I think that Victor Buono uh, is good yes. in almost everything he's in, and I think if you're a classic TV fan, you'll recognize him from a lot of. Sh- that he's been in over the time period You probably remember him as King Tut in Batman uh, He usually plays beaten or heavies Sometimes they're both uh, You'll see him in Perry Mason You'll see him in 77 Sunset Strip um, In 1962, which is uh, two years after this show was aired Which would have been, I think, after January 1st So we're into 1960 at this point uh, In two years he'll be nominated uh, for Best Supporting Actor for Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which which is probably his signature movie role. And I think one of the interesting things about this, he, he's, he has a very big presence on screen. He's a big man. He has a distinctive authoritative voice. What you don't realize, he's only 22 in this episode, Yes, yes. Oh, wow. and, yep. and um, he projects much older, and that's something yes. that's typical of his performances in other roles as well. So uh, my, my uh, rule of thumb is always that if Buono is in an episode, it's going to be good. He's going to be good. Yes. Um, George Wallace is uh, the lawyer, Peter Justin, and um, you see him in many things as well. It's not George Wallace the politician. It's George Wallace the actor, <laughs> but you're going to recognize him anyway. And he gives an interesting performance of a publicity, uh, generating the publicity to keep his client alive and then turning to cal for help and you'll see that this publicity is kind of a double-edged sword as far as he's concerned without giving anything away you'll see that there are several ways in which uh, publicity plays into this role um and then um uh, well and, and one other thing there's a there's a very unironic line that cal has when he's appealing to to him and he says uh, think of the dignity of your profession the dignity of being a lawyer. Now, mm. that would be a very ironic line today. And in fact, uh, Shakespeare uh, wrote, <laughs> yes. you know, the first thing we'll do, let's kill all the lawyers. And uh, Victor Buono was was a, a great admirer of uh, Shakespeare. He said once that the more you study him, the greater he grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to take Shakespeare for granted with this. And yet Cal's very unironic in the way he says, think of your... The dignity of your profession. That's interesting.
3: I, I think I always think like Cal. Cal to me, like Rex is um, the sort of uh, more um, Sam Spade, uh, Philip Marlowe brawler of mm-hmm. the gang. Where, where, whereas uh, Cal is a nice guy. Yes. And so he he believes in everything until he he can't and and. So, and that's why I think that's why they're a great team. I wish they were together Mm -hmm. in in the episode. Um,
2: Well, and one other thing, too Cal, being a classic movie buff, has a perspective or a a conception, we'll say, of how a private detective acts. And that that doesn't mean that he lives his life as a uh, stereotype, but it does mean he carries himself with a certain dignity or honesty or presence that would be nothing less than what he would expect from the characters he sees in those movies.
3: Yes and and we and and yeah always keep in mind folks as you're listening one of one of Cal's tra- Rex's one of Rex's traits is that he's a really great chef one of Cal's traits is that he is a classic movie buff he loves movies and this is 1960 so when I say classic movies he 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 you know if he was in a movie at that day if he was in a movie at that time that would be a classic yes. movie so when we say classic movies we mean whoa super classic movies you know we we mean like hoot gibson is our major star of the time uh you know so 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 that's kind of the fun thing is that we're watching a detective who was a cop who loves classic movies which are filled with films with the, i mean with detectives and things i mean pardon me i'd love to think that he's a um like an old dark house fan and and stuff like that and old like the detective movies series of the mm-hmm. 30s and 40s which i i am a big fan also of so so also a, that was a strange sentence well cough medicine or cold yes. medicine sorry yes. yeah so um but but yeah so so keep that in mind when you watch him cuz i think i think he's a good guy who's who's doing i think what he thinks the more um sort of noble detectives would do but sometimes you just got to punch someone in the mouth
2: <laughs> That Bogey would do that
3: Yes, yes, and, and you know he loves mm. Bogey as much what? as he's prob- you, probably You
2: you'd like to think that somewhere He's got a little um, uh, uh, Something, that uh, a reminder To him, you know WWBD, what would Bogey do <laughs>
3: Yes, yes Yep, yep he'd Kiss the girl, I, I punch similar. the bad guy Kiss the girl, punch the guy, yep Yep mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, I will say about Victor Buono is that I've, I've always... King Tut is one of my favorite villains on the Batman series. Um, and King Tut has... he King Tut, I think, is the only villain... Several villains get into the Batcave in the show. But I think all of them sort of get into the Batcave accidentally. Uh, well, he kind of gets in the Batcave accidentally, too. But he's... there. There's an episode in the third season where he's like... Um, digging and digging and I forget if he's trying to find the Batcave or not but he breaks into the Batcave and his joy when he busts through the wall and discovers that he's found the Batcave is one of my favorite moments of the series he's so much fun
2: yes, too, he
3: is. and and I kept thinking and I, I, I'm a dummy I guess that at the end of this episode um, he was going to get hit on the head and suddenly they, they would pick him up and he'd be like, where am I? I'm supposed to be teaching a class on solar engineering. Where am I? Uh, so so I, I, he's, he's so, yeah, like you said, he's so good. Whenever you see Victor Buono, I think it's a sign that something good is going on. Mm-hmm. And he was also um, uh, Mr. Schubert. In the Man from Atlantis.
2: Yes,
3: yes, yes, yes. Which uh, his I, last I have
2: great role, I think, or one of his yeah. last great roles.
3: Yes, It's a fun role, in, in a show that's, it's I think, I think it's a pretty darn good show. One day we will cover it on here. It starts with four standalone TV movies, so it's a bit of a weird um, setup. Uh, but, but one day I would like to do the Man from Atlantis, just so we could talk about Patrick Duffy and Tiny Shorts and Belinda Montgomery. You know, I'm in. I'm in all the way. So so there you go. Uh, so, what else do you have on this one, Mr. Well, we, I, th- I, I think, think we got would, lost in the uh, structure of it a bit. Yeah,
2: but, uh... We would be remiss at this point if we didn't pause for a moment of uh, silence that, in fact, we can confirm now that yes. um, Melody is gone from the series for good yes. and she will not return. That's a heartbreaker, it, yeah, it is. and um you know our 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 good friend and uh, loyal listener, Mike points out that uh, what apparently happened was that her contract with Warner Brothers expired about two thirds of the way through the season. Yeah. and um <clears throat> we don't know whether it was her idea or their idea that she was done with the series. Mm-hmm. She remains in the opening credits. They probably figured there was no percentage in reshooting those, but her name does not appear in the closing credits anymore. And that that also, by the way, is typical of a, of a WB series that only the regulars who actually are in the episode appear in the credits at the end. So that that is not a surprise that she wouldn't be in there. But this um, we picked up on this in uh, in some of the. Uh, Previous episodes leading up to this Where we were kind of uh, tantalizingly speculating Will she be back or won't she be back Well, she isn't But Kenny's um, n- apparently never-ending auditions For a new secretary Are going to continue to be a running gag For the rest of the series And um, they, they they are becoming rather... Um, surrealistic, actually, at, uh, yes. in, in in future episodes, because it's it it's kind of like uh, a human resources take on waiting for Godot. I don't <laughs> think that they're that they're ever going to fill it, but that's half the fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to so, say it's
3: half it's half waiting for Godot, half waiting for Guffman. I think, yeah, it's it's in that middle, yeah. middle ground. <laughs>
2: So farewell Arlene Howell yes. we hardly knew ye but um it does answer the question that my wife had as when they were going through their soul to soul period you know that awful yeah. little gimmick and knowing knowing that Van Williams will be playing uh Kenny in uh Surfside 6 where he will be surrounded by Glamorous and beautiful women in every episode. The question arises, how do we reconcile this with his inamorata back in New Orleans? Well, that question has now been answered. She's off in Europe. She's not coming back. Apparently, they weren't as much of a sure thing as we might have thought they were. But if Kenny is um, heartbroken over this, I will say he's handling it very well. (laughs)
3: Hey one more round of applause for Kenny. And it's really I, I, I will say one odd thing about the uh, and, and then I'll stop talking about this episode because I think I think you should watch it. Um the, the time element and the day for night or whatever it is element may not bother you at all. That could just be me that could I mean geez Louise, you know, like Mitchell and I have spent at least twenty five minutes talking about twenty nine minutes of this show. So yeah, and and so when you do that Trust me, if you go back and like listen to like um, Charlie Brown and I talking about Manimal, which only had eight episodes, I had to actually edit stuff out of those because we were talking so much. So you get when you get into a show like this, you really get into a show like this. And because there are not that many, well, 39 is a lot. but because there aren't as many episodes as you like, you you tend to pull more out of them, I think.
2: You savor the Uh, moment.
3: Yes, exactly. So, um... Uh... Yes. Yeah, so this this episode, and I forgot what I was talking about at the beginning. There, dead damn cold medicine or allergy medicine. What is it up to? What was I talking about,
2: myself? Uh We were we were really talking about you know just kind of wrapping it up and saying that uh, you, you, essentially your mileage may be, vary in how you feel about the um, yes the time element, uh, which coincidentally is the name of the pilot episode for the, of Twilight, the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone.
3: Yes. yes. <laughs>
2: Doctor Who, Twilight Zone, time travel. Yeah, there, well, you yeah. there you go. There you go. There you go.
3: And I, I think there is an episode of Doctor Who where they remove a time element from something. There I has don't think to it's be. maybe. Maybe it's the TARDIS. Maybe maybe that's like. Uh, like Arc of Infinity or something, where the Time Lords take the Doctor's TARDIS and they remove the time element. That sounds be completely that
2: plausible, though. Yeah. Even, so uh, don't don't you're not making it up. Stick to your guns.
3: I'm gonna go with that um, because I yeah I uh, yeah Twilight Zone. That's another podcast. Actually, my good friend Tom Elliott. Uh, if if you um if I, I follow him on Patreon, he does a beautiful Twilight Zone podcast. You need to look it up. Um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, so so yeah, your mileage might vary on what you think of the way the episode is structured in the day for night. But I think the episode itself is, is well-written. Um, and, and maybe sort of look at it as like they wrote it, and then someone came in and diddled with it in a way that maybe they shouldn't have, which makes it imperfect. But we're all imperfect. If we were perfect, we'd all become angels and ascend to heaven.
2: Baby. And the show would so, still be on.
3: Yeah, and the show would still be on. So, and who would talk about it? Come on. So, <laughs> so, so, so that's that's um. Six minutes to six hours. Hell, like six days. I don't even know where we are now. Mitchell. Six
2: days on the road.
3: Six, six days on the road. I'm on the road. I'm Jack Kerouac, I don't know. It hurts. Um, Mitchell, do you have anything else on this one? I'm sure we could talk for another half hour, but do you have anything else on this one?
2: No, I, I just I agree with you. I think that um, I think you will enjoy this uh, this episode. And um, if you uh, forget about the time and concentrate on who you think the killer actually is. could be the man on death row they may have the right yeah
3: exactly yeah Uh, So, um, Mitchell, where can we find you online?
2: You can find me at uh, my website, It's About TV, which is just how it sounds, uh, www.itsabouttv.com. And uh, you can also learn about uh, my book, The Electronic Mirror, um, how classic TV helps you understand American culture. Uh, It would make an outstanding gift. We're coming up to the holidays here, and I think you would be remiss if, or I would be remiss, you would be remiss if you didn't consider this strongly as a gift for you or your loved ones this holiday season.
3: I think there would be a series of remiss people who, um, and I know that Mitchell knows the title of his book, and I heard him mess it up there a little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. That, yeah, that kind I of was really past,
2: well, I, I get so tired of the subtitle because it draws the whole thing out, and <laughs> yes. the next thing you know, you're not uh, giving the title of a book, you're reading the Gettysburg Address. So exactly, it, exactly if yeah. If you want to know what the book is about, it's about how classic TV explains American pop culture. Yeah.
3: And I've actually read it twice now, and I have it standing by for a third read. Probably um, at When we hit the holidays It feels it, it um, It's a book that that uh, uh, makes uh, Brings me happiness when I read it I enjoy it very much Well thank you, that brings
2: it. me I, happiness
3: I, I think the writing in it is very good So it's one of those things like and, and I mentioned this a few episodes ago But I have it on a shelf next to um, My Calvin and Hobbes collection And every year in December I reread Calvin and Hobbes And it may be a Calvin and Hobbes electronic mirror Christmas I don't know I'm just saying
2: I'm flattered be, to be in that company <laughs> it'll be
3: fun it'll, it'll be fun so let here's what I gotta do uh, we're gonna get out of this discussion and I am gonna bye bye
1: Erie Indiana day 45 I knew my hometown was going to be different from where I grew up in New Jersey but this is ridiculous nobody believes me. But Erie is the center of weirdness for the entire planet. Item, a guy that looks suspiciously like Elvis lives on my paper route.
0: Thank you, little paper boy.
1: Item, Bigfoot eats out of my trash. Item, a bizarre housewife Colton in town has been sealing up their kids in giant rubber kitchenware so they don't age. And now, just when I thought things couldn't get any worse, I discovered that in Eerie, even man's best friend is up to no good. When I try to tell this to my family, they just think I'm weird. Better weird than dead.
3: Reality Takes a Holiday, aired april 12, ninety two, the last day that Erie Indiana aired on NBC. After this, folks, it's off the air. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But it's directed by Ken Quapis. Quappus Quapus? K W A P I S. We, we've we've encountered him before, uh, and written by Vance DeGeneres. Again, April twelfth, nineteen ninety-two. In this one, Marshall doesn't want to go to see a horror movie with his family. One. I imagine it's probably, it feels like a Sunday morning, uh, early afternoon. They call it a brunch. Um, but the rest of the family is going to go see a horror movie, and Simon's going to go along, and Marshall says no. Marshall goes out to his mailbox to check the mail. There is a blackbird, a raven, a crow. I imagine it's a raven. Um, I'm not as ornithologically inclined as I should be, even though two of my favorite films are The Falls and Brewster McCloud. But there is the bird we, we've seen many times uh, so Maybe it's that same bird that makes the noise Every time you see um, the nuclear power plant And the Simpsons, I'm not sure but, And he checks the mailbox And in the mailbox he finds a script For an episode of a show called Eerie Indiana Reality takes a holiday Oh boy, written by Jose Schaefer He goes back in his house His family is there Although he saw them leave And they begin reciting, specifically his dad begins reciting, things that are in the script that Marshall has. When Marshall recites one of the lines that his dad just recited back, dad gets very angry. They hear the cut. Marshall spins around, and he's on a set. The set of the show, Era Indiana, being directed by Joe Dante. His family and friends are all actors. Everyone keeps calling him Omri. Omri Katz, who is the actor who plays Marshall. I'm sorry to ruin that for you. I didn't know if you folks believed there was a documentary series Erie, indiana but suddenly he finds himself on the uh the back lot in the studio uh and making this show for nbc and as he's there trying to figure out what's going on and how he got there he learns that he is going to be written out of the series and in fact not only is going to be written out of the series dash x is going to kill him and a few weird things happen, and then I will stop there, because uh, we we go pretty in-depth into this. It's the last episode. But we learn two things. One, that Dash X doesn't seem to have reverted to the actor. He's just Dash X, and he seems to know that Amri is actually Marshall, and somehow they've gotten outside of the show that they're in. And two, John Aston's character, who runs the world of stuff, also seems to be in a weird place somewhere in between reality and unreality and fiction and non-fiction and of course it's all non-fiction but yeah so yeah this is an interesting one folks and let's dive right in amy's standing by for a discussion of the final episode of Erie, indiana please listen and enjoy here we are folks at the end of the nbc run of Erie, indiana reality takes a holiday (sighs) sigh and i am here with my good friend amy the conqueror amy how are you i'm doing well dan how are you i'm doing all right a little sad you know we always get to the end of a show on here and it's a little sad yeah but then you know to uh misquote the doctor uh that's you know ever the shows end and that's always sad but then there's a new show and that's happy so yeah so you know i was sad when voyagers ended you know we had such a good time doing that yeah um uh, so I, I guess let's dive right in. What did you think of Reality Takes a Holiday?
1: Ah, oh, this was a great episode. Um, I wish they had been able to um, flesh it out a little more, but in 20 minutes, what can you do, really? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like this one. I think it was, I think it was a good cliffhanger, kind of. Yes. If it was kind of a cliffhanger, I don't know. I feel like they they could have explained, or they were going to explain why all this happened. <laughs> if that makes any sense,
3: it, I, I I I had the same thought because it feels like um, you know obviously we know seem to know less and less about Dash X as it, as it goes along. Yes, but the fact that he seems to have kind of been able to pull Marshall into reality, and they're yes. the they're the it, he knows and and Dash X knows the fiction from the reality, whereas Marshall is a bit iffy on it and mm-hmm. takes some time to sort of get there. And then there's that weird thing where Dash X, when he's in our world, our world, um, he just, he just <laughs> talks regular. But then the moment you see him on the street in the fiction area Indiana in the end, he's like, "Ah, back to the drawing board or whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. so, so yeah I actually thought that too. I thought this could have been like a running uh, thing where possibly like this maybe next time like Marshall finds a way. To go into the real world and do something, and and you know, so, but but yeah, I, I agree with you that it seems like how did that happen? We'll never know.
1: And da- it seemed like they were setting Dash up or Dash X up to be more of a supervillain type of character, yes. if there could be a, such a thing on this show. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he's he clearly, you know, wants to kill Marshall. Yeah,
3: and he, yeah, he <laughs> so. wants. He wants it to be Spoilers. his show, yes, yes. And Sorry. I mean, that's that's the thing about it. I mean, we've seen Dash X do some kind of nasty stuff, but to actually like want to kill—I mean, that's the point of the—that's <laughs> the point of it all. Is he's going to yeah. kill? He's actually going to kill Marshall, which seems, um, right. which seems a bit much. And th- and yes. then <laughs> and th- and th- then there's the way that uh, there, there's a moment too with the um, sort of. Uh, the, the wardrobe guy who's going to put the squibs or, or I don't know, yep. who, who, who on, on, on Marshall and Dash X says, we're going to do this au naturel, and they turn around and start laughing. And I thought, so wait, yes. does, the, does he know that Marshall's going to get shot for real too?
1: It um, kind of seemed that way. And what does he yeah. have against Marshall? <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. He's, you know, and, and it's it's a for it's you. It's one like I've been on sets where – Uh, like when I was on and I think I've said this on like a podcast when I was on Star Trek Insurrection as a Baku villager for like a month we were out in the woods we were at this little village they built by a stream it was so much fun everyone was having a great time I think it was because like the cast were so familiar with one another and I think uh, Jonathan Frakes was, was directing it so there was kind of a joviality but then you have other sets where you go on that feel more like this where everyone's like Okay, well, you could take the jacket, but if you lose it, it's your fault. You know, that kind of thing, where everyone's right. kind of sniping at everyone else. Yes. And that's... um. I'd like to say that's how eerie Indiana, the set, was not. Um, <laughs> but but I don't know. I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I, I don't think so. Yeah. And I don't think Joe Dante is as bad as he portrayed himself. <laughs> <laughs>
3: he really makes himself out to be kind of a douche. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... I I think that there is sort of... Uh, and, and they sort of really downplay the moment in the end, the, the moment where Marshall sort of... And I actually missed this the first time I watched it, the moment how Marshall frees himself from it mm-hmm. with the script rewrite is is kind of underplayed. You, you get it in the end. Yeah. But, but but did you get that feeling like when it suddenly went from reality back to fiction, you were sort of like, no, wait one second. Because I, I had that.
1: Yeah. Upon second viewing of it, I did notice that they emphasized um, you don't go to the movies, to mm-hmm. Marshall. Yes, yes. Like so, then I was like, hmm, that kind of that guy kind of fist, or missed that the first time around. So mm-hmm. I I saw that that was for some reason the important part of the story was that Marshall doesn't go to the movies with his family. Yes. So I wish they had you know. Given us more of what that was supposed to mean. Why did that factor into mm-hmm. him changing the script and, you know, changing the outcome, essentially. Yeah,
3: and and is, if forgive me, if I'm wrong, but doesn't isn't it it doesn't everything change before he says that line? I think isn't that like he kind of stands up, runs to the window, looks out, and then he comes over and says, "I think I will go to that movie." And I was like, "All right," because. Uh, oh no,
1: I'm I'm referring to when like. uh Dash X and the writer are talking in the office Mm -hmm. and they're like discussing the the scene and they're like, when you don't, they mentioned something about when you don't go to the movies with your family Mm
3: -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, that's, it's, yeah. (laughs) Like, was that a hint?
1: I I mean, it kind of, yeah. I missed it the first time, but Mm -hmm. it seemed like it was, it was supposed to be sort of a hint as to how he was able to change (laughs) things.
3: <laughs> and, and there's something, too, about the the way where it's sort of he's waiting for the script rewrite. The secretary shows up with the page, and it's only for you, Marshall. And, but then it's, it's that moment where um, Dash X realizes what Marshall has done, and he's going to run in, and he says like something like, don't say, and Marshall yells, action, and that's the yep. moment. And I think maybe that's the moment where Marshall is able to take control of whatever it is that Dash okay. X did. And yep. may, and and apparently since Marshall was able to go over there, Marshall might have the exact same. Are they brothers? Did we say that already? I don't know. Are they long? I don't know. Or... But
1: yeah. it, does it go back to that other episode? Like, where is Dash X from? Is he from yes. another planet or where? Whatever with the you know that other episode that I can't remember the title to
3: right now. The corn is it the, royal the, corn or, yes, or... the royal order of the corn, yes,
1: the royal order of the corn. Yes, that one.
3: And then you have the tie-in with um, Marshall being the. Um, the old milkman out of time, out of sync with time. Yes. And um, so yeah, there's 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 some. It's, it's a very interesting episode. That yeah, I I agree with you. It feels like maybe in the next season, or or even if they had done like a full like 22, 24 episode season, instead mm-hmm. of what they did, maybe there would have been another one that dealt with that in some way.
1: Right. Or like um, maybe just at least a, a couple of lines explaining why. Yes. Or showing why dash X all of a sudden wants to kill yeah wants to kill marshall (laughs) and how he has these abilities to yeah change reality or put marshall in reality as you said
3: yeah there's and i and i even wondered at at one point when when dash x was in this i thought is this dash x from like another point you know are we going chronologically here maybe maybe we are with marshall but this is dash x like a future dash x or so or or even um, a past or or i i don't know i'm just i'm just trying to come up with things that makes some sense will i mean and this unlike other episodes where we're left wondering this one does have yeah just like just like you said like maybe three or four lines just like maybe maybe dash x knows that something's going to happen to him in eerie and when mm-hmm. he discovers that he can make himself the star of the show then it won't happen to him or something just
1: ah that's i, I like that idea
3: Yeah, just just a little something extra. I mean, because if he does have some sort of powers, and maybe Marshall also has them, but doesn't realize it, um, maybe that's what it is. Where he's like, okay, I need to. The only way I can get out of this situation is by doing this. It's not nice, but then he's generally not nice.
1: He's not. But then they always kind of bring him back to being like, you know, he helps him out at the end. Usually, you know, he could have killed them before.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And
1: he and hasn't. So, like, why the change of heart? Now you're you literally want to gun him down.
3: Yes. <laughs> and and he he makes a he makes a play of it. You know, like um uh, you know I shouldn't just shoot him once. I should shoot him several times. Yes. <laughs> and and I thought that there must be something in that where the moment he shoots Omri and kills him, since Dash X is Dash X in the f- eerie and reality. And yes. Marshall changes to Omri, although he still thinks he's Marshall. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's sort of just a thing where um, the moment he guns Marshall down and becomes the star of the show, it goes back to Eerie. And now mm. he's the star of the show and no one's any the wiser. Right. Because I, I would say, like I would be worried if this is reality. You know, if you shoot him once and it's accident, it's an accident, that's fine. But if you shoot him again and again, that might be construed as murder possibly yeah. so, <laughs> possibly um, so so um what did you think of the the family the actors
1: oh I thought that was that was hilarious I, I love uh, the mother and the father I liked yeah. their whole mm. their whole thing because they were completely different obviously than their characters yeah um, so I really liked them and I I thought Simon was was funny yes, or Justin yes. or mm-hmm. like being just like a precocious little jerk
3: yeah <laughs> Yes, yes. yeah, and Cindy was great too she yep. she she gets a, my favorite moment probably with her is um uh what what was it like oh oh no, we you know we can't delay the take how i I don't want to forget my line or something yeah. like that, and everyone like <laughs> the the joy of it is it too is that um you know i've always i've always thought this when I was watching the show, but um Marshall's mom is hot and yeah. um <laughs> there you go that's that's all i'm gonna say and i like how yep, she's they played oh. that up and yeah and that was
1: a good idea <laughs> yeah
3: and, and I, I i applaud i i i watched the scene i just watched the scene and i don't i don't didn't see this happening but there's a bit where at the end of the at the end of the take right at lunchtime when marshall's still standing there, are going what's going on his mom takes her her blouse off and she has this like vinyl leathery bra thing on <laughs> I, I don't quite know yeah um uh, like she's going to be in a, like a sword and sorcery film or something like that later on. And, and she's got, she's got like a tattoo above one of her, uh, like on one of her top of one of her breasts. And, and, um, and she, and, and I applaud because um, Marshall doesn't like, he doesn't do, I, I, I didn't seem like do a double take or anything like right. that. You know, he's just, he's just like, he's talking to her and he doesn't lose eye contact with her because frankly, I, lo- <laughs> I lost eye contact with her at that moment. Most uh,
1: people would. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh so oh 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 um oh another, another uh thing what about the uh the twins come up in the beginning yes. of this one.
1: Yes. <laughs> I like how they, they pop in here and there.
3: Yeah, they're they're now the local uh movie reviewers. With two yep. is it two fingers up i forget what they yep. Yep, yep. Two, fingers, two fingers up they're going to see like something called revenge of the corn critters or corn yep. fritters or something like that. Yeah.
1: which sounds like a movie that i would totally love oh yes <laughs> a little
3: bit of children of the corn a little bit of critters i can only yes. imagine what's going on in that <laughs> all right um let's see uh oh, oh um g- g- Okay, so you got so you got Marshall, um, still think he's Marshall. You got Dash X, who, who seems to be able to go from reality to whatever without anyone, without becoming his the actor he is. But what did you think of uh, John Aston's scene?
1: Yeah, I was trying to figure out if there was a reason why he was still Mr. Radford, as opposed to John Aston Because yes. he clearly was still like, hey, Marshall, mm-hmm. you know, have a...
3: Mad cow it? or whatever that... Black what, what, uh, Black cow, black cow, black yeah. Cow, yeah.
1: So I was, like, uh, trying to figure that out. Is it because John Aston was the biggest name on the show? So <laughs>
3: mm, Possibly, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, or the most recognizable, I guess maybe not to the audience of kids they were selling the show to, but, mm. you know, John Aston's a pretty big name. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's... I was trying to figure out where he kind of tied in as still playing his character, but he walks in on set, you know, yes. like – that's so. That was a little confusing to me. Definitely another thing that I wish that they would have been able to flush out a little bit. But I know yeah. time constraints and yes, yeah.
3: The and they um and he actually uh when he's talking with Marshall, he calls him Marshall, and he you know he he seems to be his character. But then he pulls out the script. Right. He acts like script. it's
1: totally normal.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. Like this is what I normally do. And now I'm wondering, and the fun thing about it, the more I think about it and talk about it, is the more I like the idea that as the show went along, not only would you sort of be able to move into these other, like, times, like the, the day, you know, the hour, missing hour kind of thing, but you also can fluidly go from the reality of the show to the reality of the making of the show. And, and sort of, and some characters cross over and some don't, and, and there's got to be a reason why. Um, John Aston's character is sort of in this middle ground where he uh, he knows he's fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he doesn't know he's fiction. I guess he does. Does he know he's... I don't know. He He's yeah. something. He's something.
1: Yeah. And like... Yeah. The, I don't know. Yeah, it was confusing. <laughs> is he on the same page as Dash X? Not that he wants to kill... Yes. ...Marshall, but that he can go between... Mm-hmm. ...both, you know, realities, I guess.
3: Yeah, because... Because he's yeah I guess he's kind of where where Marshall is rather than Dash X who has kind of been able to I mean obviously Dash X has been in the reality for some time to set all this up mm-hmm. and he's he and he brings over Marshall at this point I wonder if it's like when he brought over Marshall uh, if yeah John Aston's character just kind of got pulled along or or something oh, like okay. that I'm not sure because because he's his character seems to be in the same Spot as Marshall, but seems to be more accepting of the fact that I'm the, And I love how the script. Uh, well, what happens next? And it's blank pages.
1: Right. <laughs> and
3: I thought, oh, that's cool. I like that. That that reminds me a bit of. Um, there's a great movie, Death by Dialogue. Do you know that one, the horror film?
1: Um, no. It, it, it's. It, uh, it, it, maybe it's I do. I. Is there another movie that's similar to that?
3: <laughs> there could be.
1: Was it uh, Was it like a trauma film? <laughs>
3: It was it was distributed by Trauma, but it's not. A okay,
1: then film. yes, I, I did see that one.
3: Yes, oh, Yes, yeah, it's 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 a super fun film about like some uh, teens, early twenty somethings, going to like a ghost town or uh, not, yes. something like that, and yeah, they find yeah. a script, and the script is constantly like rewriting itself to kill people, mm-hmm. and yep. um and it was like the the um you know something what was the script. I think the name of the script is changing. I forget exactly what it is, but it's something like. What was the script originally called? It was something like I think it was. It was called Victim, because now it's called Victim Twenty Seven or something like that. So, so it's kind of a. It's 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 it's. I, I like that moment with the, the blank script and the. Um, oh, maybe that's the thing. I, I wonder if Marshall had a full script. I I feel like his script was complete when he flipped through it at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. so maybe, I, I like the fact that they're all like Dash X has the ability to really manipulate everything. Marshall's just learning and John Asson's character um, is in another space. I don't know but uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting episode yeah it, like I like it very much um, and I will chalk up all the things that didn't quite make sense to I believe they would have followed up on this at, at some future point. Yes uh, let's see. oh. Oh, I did love the moment, I had the note here, where the, the mom is, they're all kind of like, oh, Marshall, or Omri, it's so, it's so sad when, you know, they, they kill you off on a show and write you out of the show, and the mom says something like, I know I was devastated when they did that to me on Jake and the Fat Man. And the thing is, <laughs> I didn't you. actually look to see if she was on Jake and the Fat Man, and I should have.
1: Oh, me either. That would have been... <laughs>
3: <laughs> that would have been awesome. I'll try if I remember, folks. I'll put it in the closing of this. Uh, be- yeah, be-
1: my be- guess is that she probably was. That that seems was. like something they would they, they would slide in there.
3: Yeah, um, I uh, and and I'll just I, I won't go overboard on this because there's a lot a lot of stuff in it and I, I could talk about it for ages. But I'll, I'll keep it calm because as this is the last episode, I also want us to just give our thoughts on the uh, show itself. Um, I, I I did like. Because uh, one of my, my favorite episodes of The Twilight Zone is... I think it's a world of difference from season one. Where you see the businessman in his office and he's doing stuff. And then he's getting up to leave. And then you hear, cut! And then the camera kind of pulls back and he's suddenly on a on a set. And he's suddenly like the star of like a movie or a TV show. But he's not. And he doesn't know how he got there. And uh, and this obviously is the same thing. But I, I like this in that... um um in that one it's just like for a couple of minutes it looks like just a regular slightly boring guy in a thing and then all of a sudden cut and all this happens like what the hell in this they kind of do it where you get this chat between the family and marshall doesn't want to go to the movie and he seems a bit um marshall seems a bit petulant or something i don't i don't know um when when he doesn't want to go um but then as yeah he wanders out to the mailbox there's the script and then when he um walks back into the house. I love that moment when he's got the script in his hand. I'm thinking, where are they going to go from here, exactly? And then he walks back in the house, and the family's still sitting there, staring at him. And it's like, yeah. he just <laughs> left. What's going on? And then it actually, it has to, they have to have a moment, a, a cut-like moment, where all of a sudden everything vanishes around him, except for, you know, the studio and the, the, the dining room, uh, table, set area. So I like that, that they they kind of like... If you knew what the premise was, they don't quite do it like with the Twilight Zone. They, they milk it a little bit more to make you think, okay, where's this gonna, when is it going to happen, and then it happens. You're like, oh, okay, and uh, yeah, I like it. I think it's, I think it's, if, if, I guess if you're going to end here, as annoying as it is, it's a good ending. Go out in a high, go out leaving people wondering. Yeah, yeah, it was a good episode. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else on this one?
1: Uh, no, I guess one other question, and you may or may not know the answer to this, is: Was the writer actually one of the writers? Because combined their names to Jose yes. Schaefer, or the the creators? I mean, creators writers of the actual Erie Indiana, and was that one of them, or was that another actor? Because I I didn't recognize him, but I was just curious if you knew.
3: I th- I think it's an I think it's an actor. I I believe I recognize him from something but yeah I did like that the script is is the portmanteau of the uh the two creators
1: yes and (laughs) and I love
3: how the writer's just kind of a douche who cares more about his DeLorean uh than he he does actually like getting stuff written which I really like uh so yeah I think that's about all I have there is a see I, I do like the uh if I had a dog named Toto I couldn't be more surprised or whatever uh, yeah. he's got a great line like that, and um, and when his dad in quotes mentions off and he says, "What does Star Trek have to yes. do with it?" Uh, for fun, yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like I'll, I'll just. Uh, oh, and the um, the uh, the secretary is reading a book on the Bermuda Triangle at one point, which is cool. Yes, and um, and I guess I'll wrap up the 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 last. <laughs> in in, i mean i don't i don't know off the top of my head i i know that marshall and and simon were pretty close to being in lots of trouble on more than one occasion in the show but i think this is the first time where you know the suspense is if this scene ends the way it ends then marshall's about to get shot and killed and there's some good suspense there but the really really great suspense is the moment where Oh, to the secretary. He hands the new pa- script page to the secretary and says, "Make copies of this for everyone and whatever, and just just bring it to the set as soon as you can." That's what Mr. Schaefer said, and she says, "Okay." And then it cuts to Marshall, like, where are those pages? Okay, everyone get ready. Okay, you know, okay, get in, get in, get in, you know, you're all set. Let's go. Lights, camera, I bet. Well, you know, they don't say that. But, you know, and, it's, and they're about to do the scene. They're about to do the scene. He's like, where is the? where are those pages? And then it cuts to this beautifully composed shot with the secretary in the background reading the book on the Bermuda Triangle. And then in the foreground is the world's slowest copier putting out these script pages and it's very it's very it's very funny but it's also like it was one of the few times in the show where i was like okay i love the comedy right there i don't want to see marshall get shot though so could we right. could we pick that up just a touch um but yeah that is uh that's reality takes a holiday uh the last um goodbye uh i i, I next week i don't know what replaced Erie, indiana but it wasn't on the next week
1: right.
0: which
3: is which right. is sad um, so I guess since we're, we're at the end here, Amy, um, I guess uh, final thoughts on Erie, Indiana.
1: Um, it was really fun to rewatch again. I hadn't watched it not, since 1996 when it was rerun again on Fox. So I didn't watch the original. I think I said this before, but didn't watch the original in '92 or '91 whenever it was on NBC. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I'm really happy to own it. I will watch it again. Um, and yeah it just makes me sad that they there's like a lot of directions they could have gone with this show and Mm -hmm. you know didn't obviously um but yeah even watching it as an i watched it in my 20s and now i'm you know older than that so (laughs) it's it's still like fun to watch so yeah i'm a fan good
3: yeah you see that's we we've done two uh two shows together on here that we really like, which is cool. Yes. Two, two very sort of different, er- uh, shows from different eras. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I say I will say the one thing, uh, the one thing with Erie Indiana, yeah, is there is a feeling that it's in that, in that space in the early 90s where you get, like, um, uh, a, a lot of shows, like, well, well, this is actually the end of the 80s, but like the first few seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation or a show like Get a mm-hmm. Life or a, like early, early Simpsons, or, or like some of the just Fox shows that were on, Werewolf with Chuck Connors, although I think that was at the late 80s too. But it's, it's in, we're, we're in that space where if, if Eerie Indiana had been made at the other end of the decade, circa 99 or whatever, um, I, I think they would have followed the storylines more and and mm-hmm. been more, more over, sort of overarching plot lines and things like that. But they're at yes. that point where you don't quite do that yet. You know mm-hmm. they wanted wanted to hit some of the, like the Twin Peaks for kids kind of thing, but they're not wanting to do like a soap opera right. sort of thing. And but then they retool it and they sort of make it like that, more like that. But it's kind of too late at that point. So um, yeah, I uh, I quite liked it. I quite liked it overall. I think um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I I would like to uh, I would like to watch it again. It was um, uh, it's it's kind of funny now that I. Because I, when I when I watch the shows, I generally if I'm in the midst of watching a show, I don't go back and watch previous episodes just because it kind of screws up the continuity in my head. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of trying to half remember the way the show was at the beginning, before dash X and before all the this, that, and the other things were going on. And right. I seem to remember I seem to remember liking both versions quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I will uh, give Air Indiana the thumbs up. Um, if I compare it to Voyagers, I actually might like Voyagers a little bit more. Um, yeah. Uh, may, maybe because it was an hour long and it got to – it's a little more expansive. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but I still like both of them very much. And, um, yeah, I guess that's it for Erie, Indiana, folks. Chop that one up. I don't know how many shows this is we've finished. Ten? Eleven? Something like that. But, hey! And thank you, Amy, again uh, for joining me. It was so so great Thanks to have you. Thanks for having on me. Here. Yeah, it was cool. It was a good time. And I, I guess well, where can we find you online?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Amy underscore the underscore conqueror.
3: Excellent. Uh, so we leave Marshall Teller and the family in Erie, Indiana. What could have been, but what we have. Is excellent, and and, and obviously, in a, f- a few years after this, there was an Erie, Indiana, the Next Dimension or something like that show, which I've never seen.
1: No, me either. <laughs> and,
3: and there were actually like there was a series of books, like a half a dozen books. Oh. Uh, and I read like the the plot line of one of them was something like, um, the return of the um the lost. Um, what the heck was it called? You know, where the lost, all the lost stuff turned up. I forget. I don't remember. Oh, the the Bureau of Lost. Bureau of Lost or whatever. There's, there's apparently like, um, an episode where, um, uh, or the, well, one of the books is like, um, the power goes out, like in the Bureau of the Lost one, one night and all the lost people, like people who have gone missing throughout history, escape, And begin to cause trouble in Erie. You know, like Amelia Earhart, Jesse James. You know, people, Jimmy (laughs) Hoffa. Well, maybe not Jimmy Hoffa. But, you know, folks like that who have vanished are are all in the Bureau of Lost. And they're able to escape and get up into Erie and and cause grief. Which sounds like a fun idea.
1: Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, so I'm going to look up if the mom was on Jake and the Fat Man. I'm also going to look up. Was there something else I wanted to look up? I feel like there was something else I needed to look up by the end of the episode Uh, maybe see who the actor was who played the writer
1: oh yeah
3: yeah thank you everyone for listening to Ear Indiana thanks again (laughs) Amy Um, talk to you guys soon and that was episode 79 everyone I hope you enjoyed it next time like I said Masquerade will be back episode 11 Burber Street Beat episode 30 and (sighs) That was me kind of shrugging and making a noise there. So, something else will be in the third segment, or pff, who knows if, if everything goes crazy, next next episode will be a one segment show. Mitchell and myself talking about Beat. repeat. Uh, let's see, eventuallysupertrain.blogspot.com is the website. Super Supertrain one on Twitter. Super Supertrain on Facebook. You can email me at Danny D A N N Y Slacks S L A C K S at Yahoo.com and uh what else i'm also on the made for tv mayhem show uh my happy days podcast is kicking along we are near the end of season two which is that i'm gonna try to get to the end of season two by the end of 2019 i might not be able to but darn it i'm gonna try and uh yeah maybe maybe in 2020 a brand new minute by minute podcast i am not sure so uh let's wrap it up i'm gonna wrap it up I downloaded this thing off of YouTube uh, when we started Masquerade. That has a whole bunch of clips and ads and things. And I know I played at least one of the ads, and I played the Spanish ad for Masquerade. Um, that's not how. It, maybe that is how the guy says it. Uh, I played that a few times. So I just want to play a few of these to just remind you that Masquerade is still around. So uh, please listen to this, enjoy, and I will. Uh, I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening
0: thursday the united states of america would like to invite you to come spy with me average americans are recruited into the world of real spies untrained asians running around the world new times require new methods everyday people are about to take on the kgb why your country needs you fly to paris on the premiere of television's newest spy game masquerade thursday starting at 9 30 8 30 central and mountain right after the premiere of ottoman then she's willing to serve her country average americans are off to amsterdam where a master spy wants a million in diamonds to upset the balance of power masquerade thursday all starting at eight seven central and mountain then a senator's daughter is kidnapped they don't do what they say they're gonna kill me anyway and masquerade recruits some heavy hitters for a trip to hawaii Those three girls are going to have to move in with you. Average Americans become spies on Masquerade. Thursday, all starting at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. Masquerade will continue in a moment. Next on Masquerade. It's you, Miss Seattle Washington. You're not helping me make my pretty little pictures. Don't do anything. Senator Waven's daughter has been kidnapped in Hawaii. Please, sit down Try to remember why you're here. Oh, there he is. Hey, keep guarding me. I want to speak to my daughter. Thursday. There's no love on this boat when Masquerade recruits some beautiful bodies to stop terrorists from hijacking a Caribbean cruise. Tomorrow. Masquerade. I have seized the Amer-Kuwaiti oil field and 12 of your countrymen as hostages. We need very special things. You have four hours and 40 minutes to release my soldiers. Fly them to Cuba. Great. All right, how do we get in? Yeah, the to the Cut stone like butter, I like it. Oh, my map! There goes lavender spoons all over, Hank. We're under arrest. Masquerade will continue in a moment. Ordinary Americans go undercover for their country when Masquerade returns. Friday. Oh, nice shot. I meant to kill him. Masquerade. Friday on ABC. Friday. Let's just say I took again. Some average Americans are breaking the bank of the KGB.
1: Isn't that the game that James Bond always
0: played? Masquerade Friday. Masquerade.